Welcome to such a good movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. Hi everyone, and welcome to such a good movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie, pal. <laughs> the podcast where three guys give the opinion they were never asked for. Never asked. No one asked. We did it anyway. Yeah. Carrying on our festive theme, this week we're discussing Die Hard. Die but Hard Christmas, bitches. Yeah. But before we start, let's welcome everyone to the party. I am oh, Steve. And this is... Luke. And this is... The Disney. It's Diz. Hey, Disney, it's so good. How are you doing, guys? Not doing so pretty, pretty well, pretty tired, but I'm well. Yeah, yeah. And Stephen, yeah, good evening, Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not doing too bad. I thoroughly enjoyed my evening watching Die Hard. I loved it. And I always watch it around this time of year. So. Why do you watch it around this time of year, Steve? No reason. No reason at all? No reason. What was the critics saying about Die Hard? What's the IMDb, Stephen? IMDb is 8.2. Rotten Tomatoes. 94% with an audience score of 94% as well. Ooh, oh, do we have a Metacritic no. or anything? Yes, we do. And it's a 72. 72? Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's a... Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised because... Die Hard is a very beloved film. Well, Die if Hard. I could kick off with my um, review of the film, yeah. I, I'd give it, I would give it a four. Um, yeah. But it's, it's just because, like, so many things, as you say, have ripped it off. It's like so many other, like, sitcoms have done something based on it. Where I hadn't actually seen it, I was like, I know the storyline exactly. Because obviously Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they got that one where they're in the mall. He <laughs> does exactly the Die Hard. It's exactly <laughs> that. I'm like, sitting there like, Yep, seen this one before. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then like even Lee Mack does it not going out. There's even a Christmas special where he does that in the shopping centre. I've technically seen the film loads of times, just not the proper film. It's Fair. woven itself deep in pop culture and uh, just the general film history. I think you know everyone knows Die Hard or at least knows a reference to it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 got its staying power. It, it was a, a solid action film in the era of great action movies. And so, it's the reason we all know who Bruce Willis is. Mm-hmm. And Alan Rickman, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. What, what, was your, what was your rating, mate? Um, I'd give it a four. Such a good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'm still holding out. I think, I think I've got to wait until someone gets that five from me. You know, I'm, I'm playing hard to get. But, you um, said they're about Gremlins, though. Yeah, but I, I did uh, revert my my statement at the end of you the show, it, and it was such a good movie, and not such a bloody good movie. So this is such a good movie. Again, the sequel. Um, I am going to give it such a bloody good movie, and I've got amazing arguments for that, loads of amazing arguments. There are so many reasons that this is such a bloody good movie, so this gets a five star from me. There's a reason it's stood the test of time. You know, there's been a lot of action movies in the 80s and 90s and um, it could have fallen into obscurity. Sure, Bruce Willis could have skyrocketed career-wise regardless. There's a reason that there's like, I 
think six movies now of it you know there's a reason that everyone can quote it there's a reason why it's quoted to nausea in brooklyn 99 it's one of it's just one of those action you know much like terminator much like robocop it's just it's the pinnacle of 80s action cinema and i think you know the 80s and the 90s really more important than present day in some ways because of the way our culture works pop culture wise you know like kids are it was 88 die hard i believe so i was one years old but i've watched that film a lot and that franchise and i know who bruce willis is because of die hard still and it was bought it was made a year after i was born very busy actor though as well only like bruce willis i mean watching the DVD and then looking at the feature and stuff and then going on to cast and that. They had the list of what Bruce Willis did in like the years it come out and it was like, he had like five or six films out in like one year. Like, you're like, how? Well, he was doing Moonlighting. Moonlighting. He, he was Moonlighting this. whilst he was doing Moonlighting. Five AM starts and stuff or was it like they had, someone was pregnant in Moonlighting, the uh, lady in Moonlighting, she was pregnant and that's, they, that's the reason why it actually went ahead because they could actually do it, they could get the time off. I don't know too much about Moonlighting, but what I do love about Die Hard, and it's one of my favourite things, is they went with someone who wasn't an action star. And I think that's what makes Die Hard cool, is that even when he's having like fisticuffs, and he does that a couple of times, he's unlike Swatch, yeah, and this is it, and they, they like originally, they originally want it to, it to be super cop kind of thing, so, so I'm glad you chimed in with that, because... They took that away and said, if he's just a normal cop, people will relate more with it. And you do. Yeah, you ain't got no, like, oh, he's just walking through bullets and everything else. It's very much relatable. It has, well, he's sitting there picking glass out of his toes at some point and stuff. So, like, it is yeah. very much, he is human. It, he's always one moment away from not succeeding. Yeah. Yes. Um, and just just about makes it yeah like that, that's games and and that's uh, that adds to the suspense of the film is you know you're rooting for him because you feel like you're it's just you and john mcclain against the terrorist and he you get that like regular man vibe from him yeah. in that yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like you could that gives you the feeling that maybe one day if if the odds were against you you'd be able to succeed just off the skin of your teeth just like john mcclain what yeah. i loved that you said about his kind of uh, dark humour in that. Yeah. Now, usually when action stars do that, it kind of falls a bit flat. They're saying a little bit cringy about Schwarzenegger sticking someone to a tree and going stuck on an arm. Yeah. But when yeah, he does it's, his it's little... quite fancy. It's quite <laughs> funny. It's like it's, he, he delivers it well. And I think that Bruce Willis's role in this was a turning point for action movies as well. Suddenly, you didn't need to be the big muscly bound guy. Actually, you could just be a regular guy mm. and be the star of the, the whole show. No, totally. And uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. There's a certain everyday man to John McClane, which yeah. makes, makes it a bit more of a journey for you to put yourself in. It's, a, it's the immersion in the situation. Because you can relate to John, you can now sit and watch and sort of feel like you're in it. Said, um, is that making use of everyday objects sort of things like to get out of situations and stuff like the, the things they actually did in it as you say like you were watching like yep yeah, that's that could happen and i mean i don't want to jump ahead of us and stuff 
part where he's in the shaft or whatever. The machine gun. The, the vents and yeah, the machine gun. That and he's like hanging on to it. Do you know what's funny? What I love. Was proper. Like, and Diz oh, literally, you said earlier about getting away with stuff with the skin of your teeth. <laughs> and what I love is that apparently the stunt guy doing it was meant yeah. to catch up in the first go, yeah, but actually, actually he didn't. And they decided to keep that in. And it's there's real. all these little pivotal moments that just little things that we would never even think about that happen like that. That just adds that extra thing. And it's all that little effort here, there and everywhere. That's one of the reasons I love this movie and makes it really, really cool. Speaking quickly about uh, mistakes and stuff. Um, yeah. Watching the featurette and there's a bit where Bruce Willis, you know, he smashes the window with a chair. Yeah, yeah. Two chairs. The chair with not the chair with the, yeah, the chair broke before the glass did completely. <laughs> and it was what? Yeah, no, I read about that. No, I thought that was hilarious. So basically, I on the DVD, I he broke the chair, didn't he? Trying to break the window, so they had to get another chair. Oh, let me just say, I, I watched the extended version of Die Hard. Just so you know. Oh, all right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The twenty-six oh, seconds or sixty-two seconds extra of the FBI or people. Trying to shut down a power grid or something. Mm -hmm. That was basically the extended version. I was like, really? Whoa. Well, fucking insane. Luke White, then, can I get a rewind? <laughs> okay, so let's start at the beginning of our movie. Yeah. And we have got uh, John McClane just landing in LA. LA? Where he's receiving some great advice about how to deal with the jet lag. He is. Yeah. So that's our introduction to John McClane. Like, this is how the story sets off, he's, he's an anxious flyer, he's sat with some guy he obviously didn't really care too much for either. <laughs> he's um, a cop, but he has flaws. Mm. But one thing I did notice immediately was the um, air hostess walks past and his eyes wander. I thought nothing, like, you know, you, look, you pay attention but you don't pay attention, you carry on watching. And he's in the airport and then this blonde comes walking towards him, walks behind him, so her as well. He's he's a one he's got a wandering eye, so you're just like, okay, he's got this big teddy like say you've never watched it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's got this teddy, he's checking out loads of women. What's this guy's deal? Like what's going on? Well, you you saying this, apparently they were halfway through shooting and then figured out what his character, if you will, was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if that's where you're kind of going with the big teddy, and we can see the one. I didn't notice the blonde, I noticed the air hostess. Mm. Yeah, no, there's several points where John McClane's eyes wander, and the guy, and you later find out obviously he's in a, on a mission to get his wife back, but like obviously that's when you get to the limo. The limo actually serves as a great introduction to the film because you get a little bit of backstory on what the situation is, yeah, you know. Um, and you also get, you know, the tone of the movie because it's a Christmas movie. So you put Run DMC, um, Holiday and Hollis, <laughs> um, and that sets the tone. This is Christmas. Christmas. Well, where's, where's the Christmas songs? This is a Christmas this song. This is a Christmas because it, it is, is a, a Christmas, Christmas song. song. <laughs> and that sets the tone. So what, what did you guys feel about that, that particular intro to the story? What you just saying, it reminded me that... I wish more movies would do that a little bit more these days. I watch many movies now that are probably about three hours long. Movies these days, sometimes they try to go a little bit too 
OTT these days, and they'll explain that in a half an hour. Like you know. Oh, there'll be a backstory with a with a flashback, and like the flashback will take like a quarter of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just a normal conversation between two guys, and by the end of it, you know what John McClane's deal is. Yeah. Um, to a degree, obviously, he's, he's relatively uh, withholding of information, but you know. Yeah. Argyle's very fast, as, yeah. as John McClane points out. Um, but you also then get an introduction to uh, who I think is one of the great characters of, of the film, and that is Argyle. I think he's um, he's a good little character, and like he stays relevant throughout the film without just being like a quirky guy. All the information you get from Argyle and John's conversation, you then get him going into the building and finding out that his wife's got a different last name. She's got her maiden name. Which was spelled incorrectly twice on the TV screen. <laughs> How is it? It, it? it presses it, it turns to an E, with it's spelt with an E or something. You're like, what? Oh, okay. Find your fucking job there, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job. Yeah. One bloody job. Fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that highlighted name where like, the camera's hovering over and the other one's a big about the press. <laughs> oh, look, it changes. Why? <laughs> like apparently it's confirmed. Some, um, Bruce Willis had these like fake feet on that are like yeah the rubber feet rubber I didn't notice this but I was like oh well we should look this up before so I could have looked out for him and oh, where's the big feet where's the big feet yeah. <laughs> actual fox uh, tower in it or something fox oh you're on Nakatani about Nakatani Plaza yeah um, so fox which cast him back to a 9-9 again. Hey, uh, nine. Um, I love the fact that, like, when Jake's like, there's floors that are unused. Apparently Fox charged this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> charged, I was about to say that earlier. Somebody's trying to uh, get a little bit of tax exemption on that. Get it where they can, as they say. They do get it where they can. You guys in the space, because remember when we did Halloween, I said, right, Halloween 2, was that just literally, oh, he's run off, and then it's all just filmed in a hospital. Mm. Where this is obviously all filmed in one place, most of it is filmed in one mm. place, but the way they've done it, it was good. It was very well shot. Yeah. Like, you wasn't bored watching it. You wasn't like, oh, I mean, I need something else. I mean, I personally, yeah. I loved all the shots in the beginning, like, just the sky. Like, they picked those perfect nights <laughs> for that purplish sky, like that red sky at night, whatever. And, yeah, they just, yeah, scenery. they done that. They timed everything quite perfectly in that film, I must say. Yeah. Except for me, when it came out. Didn't it come out in July? It came out in July. See, that's the only thing that fucks me up about a Christmas film. Because I'm like, <laughs> Christmas films come out at Christmas. The Grinch come out of Christmas. Ah, Gremlins did come, come out of Christmas. Let's Gremlins did come out of Christmas. Nah. I come out in believe like it came out of Christmas like because I believe there was a rush for it or something like in America or something. There was a bit of a rush for it. No, to come there was out a rush for it to come out when it did like because they knew they would have no competition. Where it was like, uh, look out! It was like I'm not if it's wrong, it's wrong in it. But I thought most Christmas films are released at Christmas. I mean, so, so going into this little debate, if if. If Gremlins is a Christmas film, Die Hard is a Christmas film. Fair yeah, enough. I mean, on that one, I'll, I can't argue on that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is, they are the same amount of detail put into Christmas as there is for that, for, for Die Hard. What like, we can all agree <laughs> is the overarching theme of Gremlins and Die Hard could work if it wasn't at Christmas. To an extent. I disagree. To an extent. I know you're going to, one of the arguments, oh, well, there would have been loads of people at the office. New Year's. Yeah, Gremlins Gremlins who has a New Year's party at work? 
Gremlins came out seventh of December in nineteen eighty four. I don't know, plenty of yeah. Gremlins came out seventh of December nineteen eighty four. December. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Those Christmas films come out at Christmas. Anyway, also. But then you could argue Harry Potter films are Christmas at their own work. Plenty of people yeah. used to have them at New Christmas Year's films. parties. Oh, well, I don't know about New Year's. Was it, it was New Year's? Year's? I thought it was. <laughs> <a Christmas. laughs> I thought it was just a Christmas party. I thought it was Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. because you have a Christmas party and then you don't see your co workers until next year. That's the beauty of work mm -hmm. and Christmas. Mm -hmm. A lot Who of the time. A lot of the time. Huh? Who had a New Year's Eve party? Well, no, we're talking no, about... Uh, yeah, we were talking about... So my debate is Die Hard and Gremlins both are Christmas films, but their premises could take place on a completely different night later at other points in the year. This is my thing. I re-watched it and thought about the Christmas aspect. And I feel it's, it, it has got a lot of Christmas in it, but it's mainly at that beginning part, and maybe more towards the end. The, 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 the right slap bang middle bit, where you build that whole story of him against the, the thieves and stuff. Just, there's not, other than the odd phrase, obviously. Right, just hear me out. Okay, so I went deep on this one, because you guys started saying this wasn't the Christmas movie. And it hurt my feelings. Uh, it hurt my feelings bad. So, Sorry. I, I, I stumbled across uh, some data. Um, so, Bruce Willis says it himself. We've got to watch that video, it's funny. On a much deeper level. He's so angry. Right? Um, so, there was a number of Christmas songs that played during the duration of Die Hard. This is right? Um, and Basically, that makes the amount of songs that are played that are Christmassy in this film makes it 99.2% more Christmassy than the most films released over the past 30 years. Really? Yeah. So, sorry, I feel like, <laughs> sorry if I feel like I'm just spoiling out facts, but these are just things I've come across where I'm just like, no, I'm oh, not this. Dip. So, IMDb. We appreciate IMDb, yeah. do we not? Right, okay. So um, they have public lists and private lists that they put out and that the public put out. And 2007 public lists um, that contained Christmas movies such as 100 best Christmas movies of all time, that's how many people consider that a Christmas movie and put that on IMDb as their own. And that's not including IMDb themselves. The word Christmas is used 18 times in the script. And for an action movie, they say Christmas more than they say terrorist. Sorry, no, they don't say that more than they say terrorist. But they say that more than they say die or hard or shoot or kill or blood. They, you know, like, there is a, a prominent Christmas theme throughout. Even down to the fact that one of the terrorists gets a Christmas makeover on his dead body <laughs> and shoved down an elevator. Like, <laughs> that's a ho ho ho. <laughs> Which I love the gaps that Alan Rickman leaves as he reads it. He goes, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> like, why was that needed? <laughs> but there are 21 distinct Christmas elements in the movie ranging from Christmas hats to Christmas trees. I mean, this film is littered with Christmas, 
it takes part it takes place at a Christmas party. The main aim of John McClane is for him to get his wife, his estranged wife, to get back ready for Christmas Eve so his kids can wake up with both their parents on Christmas Day. Yeah. Okay. You can't, you can't spit. His actual well, we goal can. is because, to get back for Christmas. Because if, with his family if, if you want to fight about it, we got Bruce Willis on our side. So I mean, oh come on. Sorry, he was in the film. We have Bruce Willis on our side. Have you never seen the video where something. Bruce Willis is just like, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. No. <laughs> no. So Bruce, Bruce Willis said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie, and that says more about Bruce Willis's yeah, ego yeah, yeah. than that says about whether it's a Christmas movie. Mm, that's a shame. So, uh, are you burned? <laughs> <laughs> You, you want to carry on, guys? Would you no, like no. to carry on? Any more points? Sorry, what yeah, was that? I what, what were you just give... doing there, Steve? I like waving my invisible white flag. There we go. I, 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 I only saw a, a, apparent gift given of him giving her a Rolex, which then later on gets thrown down the building with Mr. Rickman. But didn't see other gift given. There was a Christmas that. tree. The, yeah, the, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but there's there's yeah, Christmas sure trees presents. everywhere. Yeah, but they were going home <laughs> to open presents with their kids. If John or his wife died at any point in Die Hard, that would be a really sucky Christmas for them. <laughs> so, in turn, he doesn't want a sucky ki- Christmas for his kids. <laughs> he tried calling them, but the phone line was, was cut. The wife was like, oh, go go on, get up the spare room just so the kids can wake up with their dad on Christmas Day. And he's just like, I'll come here to win you back so we can have a good Christmas. But these guys are getting in the way with their guns and they're wanting to rob the place. But why is Bruce Willis crawling through vents? It represents the chimney, guys. (laughs) (laughs) He was in the vent and he was talking, whatever he was saying. What was he saying when he's in the vent? He's like, oh. come to a Christmas party or something like that. I've been to time. Talking about that oh, sort of thing. Um, um, so come on down to the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have a good he, time. He, <laughs> he fed that into his ear, like on the spot from some, from like the director or the writer or something. Oh, was it? Probably, yeah. But pulled it up quite well, didn't he? When they thought it was, I didn't think it was. No, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, what if it was the chimney? He's still going for a vent to uh, to make people's Christmas better. Through saving their lives. He comes with gifts, he comes with bullets. He comes with the bullets. Comes with the bullets to make the red, the red decoration. So so basically, I know I didn't say much, but I think Die Hard might be a Christmas movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I can agree with you that, yeah, right, you make a solid argument. I just, I focus on the story. It's the story I really, I love and... As I said before, it's like, it's very much a, eh, that could happen. That kind of situation could happen. And don't get me wrong, I love those ones where they can't, but you put that aside because it's like Predator. Great action movie. Um, Wasn't one of the writers of Predator or the directors of Predator actually working on that hard? The guy who directed it, I believe, directed Predator. As well, yes, he did, as well as Last Action Hero, which no, was no, my favourite. No, not Rambo, it was another Stallone film. Uh, was it Rambo. was Rollerball, no, and was I've heard one. of this, but never seen it. Mm-hmm. So, some clips, but... One of the things I loved about this movie 
when he was going into it, apparently when people first saw the trailers and realised it's the guy from Moonlight flying, everyone was laughing their heads off. But he gives a solid, great performance in that film. And again, it was nice to see the underdog do that role. Alan Rickman's first feature film, wasn't it? At yes. 46 years old. And was he 46 was enough. Really? I think he was either 46 or something, or 46 or 42. He was in his 40s, I know that. But um, yeah, he didn't start acting and stuff till he was like 26. He didn't even say much as this role. Yeah, because he didn't want to play a bad guy, did he, or something like that? Or he, was, he didn't, yeah, he didn't know how to play a villain. He, he, well, he didn't want him. that to be the first thing he did and was worried, yeah. and the irony, he got typecast and he was. Right, straight away I can think of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I think it's called, with Kevin Costner and that, which I always really enjoyed him in that. Oh, but the argument can be made he was also in Dogma, where he played an angel. Oh, yeah, that, that was, I thought like that was a... Uh, <laughs> just no, yeah, that's a decade later. He's funny in that. Yeah, he's really <laughs> in that. I, yeah, I mean, God bless his soul, I love Alan Rickman's bits. That's what one of the other reasons I love this movie, and I think, and it's one of my favourite movies because two of these guys that were relatively unknown to an extent catapulted them into massive stars. One of the other things, going back to what I'd said obviously about him being like relatively unknown, Bruce Willis, the first poster was actually just a building. And it was only after... Yeah, they didn't want to downplay it because of the fans. They didn't want to put they, people yeah. off who weren't Bruce Willis yeah. fans. And you've got to understand that he come from a show where he was the pretty boy of this show. So he was facing that kind of thing. Like Heath Ledger did when he went in for the Joker role. And I'm sure we can find many other sort of comparisons. There's only a couple of bits in this film that I go, yeah, all right, that didn't land very well. Like when he's on the roof and he's shooting to scare the people back down. Yeah, that annoys me on that. he runs away because obviously the helicopter's shooting him. He goes, I'm on your side, assholes. And you go, well, they don't know that, mate. They don't know who you You've are. You've got a gun no. and you're waving it around and the bullets are going everywhere. No, but also, <laughs> let's face it, John McClane likes to say his faults. He's talking yeah, to himself much, throughout yeah. the entire movie. Yeah, yeah true. Like, the entire movie, he's just talking to himself. Like, really. A lot of that was added in after. The Although, thing. what was added in after? Mostly when he's talking to himself, or like when he like Arthur has the argument with um at the beginning and stuff, and he like bangs his head on the wall, mm. and he's like pissed off himself. Sort of thing. And that was all added to make us feel like relatable. Like he is a yeah, he he hates himself just as much as most people do anyway. Mm. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I do. <laughs> well, it runs into the everyday man theme that we've been sort of tripping upon it. Uh, various points in the film is like you know i feel in a sea of action movies there's only some that rise to the top yeah you know uh, and that's one this is one of them like you know there is a a sea of garbage action movies yeah um you know there's so many action films regardless who's in them regardless like what they're about they will just fall into obscurity eventually they'll just be bargain bin films but die hard Terminator, Robocop, yeah, you know, Rambo, the list of, the, the test of time. They will stand the test of time they at Fort Fort and have, yeah. But why? And that's one of the things that you always want to be asking and I think about when it comes to these movies. So Die Hard, it's, a, it's maybe another lightning in a bottle situation. So they'd offered this to Schwarzenegger and, and Stallone and De Niro, and De Niro said no to this, 
So then he took the role. Now the reason why that was great that that happened is we what we've been pounding on this everyday man thing, and it's the same with when it came to Terminator. The reason that it worked so well is because Arnold Schwarzenegger was very robotic still in his acting by that point. I think it was why that worked so well in that stuff is because it was the eighties and not everyone had that sort of imagination. Where nowadays you've got YouTube and everything else, it's very hard to impress someone in this day and age because you're like. Well, I've seen that I've seen ideas on YouTube, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, but back then it's more like, "Whoa, blown away!" Because they are about the most exciting thing you have genuinely but seen. But again, in that you decade, consider those other aspects. Or like I say, Schwarzenegger having yeah. that robotic feel when he did that. The same as Bruce Willis having that. He didn't have that action star persona then. But in some of those later Die Hard films. He seems a bit harder, tougher, and gruffer, which fits anyway, because it fits with the development of his of his character, growing older and having more experience through those other movies. <laughs> but that's one of the other things that makes you love that first Die Hard so much, is he's just inexperienced in that kind of situation. Mm. I like for what the bare bones of the story was, and for the fact of how again how they utilised the space they was using. And yeah. everything else around it, but again, as I say, the bare bones of the story. It's not an amazing story, but the way they've done it, it is done amazingly. It's based that on makes the book, any sense? Apparently, Clint Eastwood was trying to push for this to get a film to get made of that book, and he wanted to star in it. You know, in the yeah, yeah, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, he got the first the, one. Was, the first was, uh, apparently, was the first one to be supposed to be John McClane. Was was Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Weird, eh? But it got caught up in like development hell for ages, and then obviously Frank Sinatra was too old to play the role. So okay, yeah, I must have. I can't remember where. Ah, oh, I did read it on IMDb. To be fair about the Clint Eastwood thing, and don't forget people. No, they found you equally like you know it, it might it, it might have happened to some varying degree. Like who knows? We weren't there. We were only well. We weren't. I wasn't there. even around. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's my my thing about I think just yes, cinema in general uh, in the eighties and nineties um, was just like this real peak of where development in technology um, and TV and film it was all getting better, so these these stories could be told, and that's that's how we and it was almost like a perfect storm where there was just some really great actors, some really great writers, um, some really great cast and crew that made some of the most iconic cinema that will stand the test of time. And I'm not just talking about Die Hard, I'm talking about, you know, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, The Brat Pack Lot. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about Gremlins, I'm talking about Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. They're all, they've all got their part in cinema history, and they all happen within these 80s, 90s, bracket where they were innovating practical effects and visual effects and like you know there were some really great writers passionate writers there was some great talent out there and I'm not saying that we don't have that nowadays but I feel like I feel like nowadays there's so much at our fingertips that we've lost that magic that the 80s and 90s was able to create through innovation, not through imagination, so to speak. So as I said about the cast, it's like having a look through what Bruce Willis had done, like say for one year, and like you see like four films come out or six films come out. You don't see that happening that much nowadays, do you? Like 
you, an actor might bring out two, maybe three films at a stretch, like in a year or so or whatever, but like... <laughs> 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 um, yeah. um, they don't bring out much, like movies and stuff like that. I think that's because there's so much... Um, I'm just going to say problems within companies. Red tape like, is uh, probably the best word. Yeah, copyrights yeah. and all of that stuff. And, oh, that's my actress, my actor. You can't use that one. There's this reason why there's contracts and all that stuff. And then it's just so much more into the contract now. As you say, like the amount of things with Disney that happen and like they own everything now. and They, they get all the contracts and it's just it's, it's so much... They can't, there's not freedom to the actor or actress anymore, is there? No, that, that's where people are um, signing free movie deals with, like, oh, Fox want me to do free films, so I owe them yeah, free films, in. they're locked in. So the third film they do, they're just like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to do it. And then they hear that the actor wants to go do something else in between those films, and they're like, well, actually, we're going to start shooting this film now. So they can't do that other film, so they're fucked for that film. Mm -hmm. It's... It is a horrible, but that's the it would have happened in well, it didn't always happen in the 80s and 90s, did it? Oh, well, I'm sure there was bits and pieces like it was. Well, yeah, obviously, Moonlighting, as they say, they couldn't do it, but obviously, then she got pregnant and then they actually had the time she could, I mean, he could do the stuff after she could. <laughs> pregnant lady, just trying to take everyone out. <laughs> You've you got to think cinemas changed so much over the years, so like for every oh, they're stuck into a free movie deal. There's a, well, at least we've got Weinstein in prison now and he's been exposed and like that sort of stuff that was going on in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s isn't yeah, happening anymore. So it's, it's yeah. but not to delve into that. No, nah, it swings and roundabouts, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And that's the thing is where, where you've got some perks, you've got some losses. Uh, and I don't mean that as a, a loss. I just mean that um, things worked a little bit freer in the 80s and yeah, and 90s, and we got a lot of great stuff from it, but equally, um, that wasn't done in the best way. But we still got great cinema now, and it's done the right way. So, you know, we hope. Mm. I see the pros and cons of what you could do back in the day compared to what you do now. Um, maybe it felt like there was more original ideas because quite a lot of stuff ends up getting made or created where you're like, who the fuck greenlighted this? <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Um, Who gave this the go-ahead? Exactly. And some things, I think this is what, we, we touched on this in one of the episodes um, we did before, which was some films deserve a reboot. Even 80s and 90s films that are considered bad are kind of good, like Howard the Duck. Yeah, I don't know. You know like, oh, no, it's so no, bad that it's good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This, uh, there's so many bad but good films. Well, you can add something else in here which you added in on the first ever podcast which was released, and that is the uh, Alan Rickman thing. Or should I say this time, when they released him on two? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Apparently, when he, um, you know the scene where he does the American accent and stuff? Yeah. Alan Rickman does the American accent. It's like, oh, God, you're one of them. And when he jumps down, he apparently broke like a bone or like broke his leg or some something or broke an ankle. Or, like, I can't actually know what it broke, but he yeah, broke. So he heard something that. break, and he like, what? And then yeah, he yeah, apparently carried on the scene with the break as well. Exactly. He's like fucking dedication, mate. Mate, I've. No, Rickman's one of the best. Let's face it. Like you know.
It was his first film as well, though, so you're just going to do whatever oh, you, yeah, fuck gonna, you can yeah. to get that done on. Because you want to, mm. this could be your one shot. And well, apparently, but he's glad he did. Was the director <laughs> was, he wasn't quite happy with the uh, impression, the uh, American impression. It isn't great. Oh, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's impression. not great. It's. I mean, with the shouting, I find if you're doing an impression and then you have to shout, sometimes it, you come right out of the impression. You you do impression, Steve, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, you to actually still do that, to have that. Um, uh, what would be uh, a spectrum, if you will, levels he can actually go to with that impression? That's still good. Like it still is hard to get to the certain different level with your impressions. And that was such a good scene as well. Like bad accent aside, that was such a great scene. And that was improvised. Like, well, the the way that they were cat and mousing around the conversation, you know, like he, like John McClane's trying to like trying to see whether he's legit. And like Rickman's just like well Hans is is like on his toes and he's just like nope ducking and weaving man like you're not gonna catch me out like with the initials thing and he looks and he's and he's already looked at that board and gone right pick a name mm. and also added in that extra he said Bill didn't he and then it's a W instead which adds just makes it seem even more. I was surprised he didn't get caught out by that because then obviously he's like, I'm not stupid. Well, he, is, he does the gun test, you know, where he gives him the gun. Oh, what with the unloaded bullet? The unloaded yeah. gun, and it's just like. Unloaded bullets? Unloaded, unloaded gun bullets. Yeah. <laughs> they had no gunpowder in their bullets. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm a little bit like, Hans, no, no, it's not loaded. No, do it. <laughs> Don't give yourself away. Don't give yourself away. You were doing so well, bud. Like, <laughs> talking about little shots and like moments and stuff. For some reason, they always kind of find it funny the way like Alan Rickman kind of slides out the door and just fires that gun in the air mm. when he finally susses that. You know, it's his, it's his wife. He's like slides out. And he's like bum bum bum. You know, it's his flinch every time he shoots a weapon. He's like. Yeah, apparently, yeah, he's, he's like... Proper, he's proper flinching when he shoots the weapon and they had to edit it, like they had to cut away from his face like quite a lot when he was shooting. Well, well, apparently they were really loud, those fake... End of the day, he's British. Why would he, he, why would he be guns. used to guns? Is that no, oh, yeah, so, yeah. Fair, fair comment. I didn't even think about it. We could have him on first bonfire night, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that is, bloody well loud. It's the biscuit. Shit <laughs> on um, biscuits. I mean, obviously, we always kind of at some point eventually look at like the future prospects, if you will, which I'd like to think Die Hard's done now. Because as much as I like Die Hard, I only like the first three. I've seen number four and number five once. Number four has seen a couple of times, but no. Unpopular decision, but I think four's one of the better ones. 4.0, I thought was a great movie. I have yet to see all the rest. It's got good points, but I didn't. Don't get me wrong, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance are the, the, probably the best of the best of that franchise. Yeah. But closely followed by 4. Which one me. is the one with the fire in the terminal? <laughs> That's all I remember from the game as a kid. Oh, the PlayStation um, game. Yeah, the go through the terminal. Well, there are fire in the terminal. I think it's <laughs> about number 2. And what? And that's one thing we haven't actually discussed. And then there's one where he's in a limo and he's driving. Right. Away yeah. Well, now this is the thing. This is, is that, one thing is that I'm surprised. The game. Yeah. So this is the one thing I'm surprised we haven't discussed. The Die Hard game for the PlayStation oh, was yeah. actually sick. Mm -hmm. Because 
the first one was the third person perspective then the second game and the second installment was first person and then the third one was still first person but you're in a car it was every game had some some sort of element that was like this is what you need to focus on here mm. it was awesome that was good games yeah Sick game. Trilogy game as well. Bloody brilliant. Could never bloody win. I just always like to go on the one with the gun. Yeah, I was going with the old TV. I I was all right at the first one. The second one is that I, the one where he's walking through the park. Well, obviously, yeah, the first one. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> is that the one? Based <laughs> the one the film is based on. <laughs> the second one, I remember actually, I was pretty good at that. Yeah, the second one, I was. I take it that's the terminal one then, or is that? Yeah, that's the one they said. Yeah, I was good yeah. at that. Whether in the airport, yeah, and then um, yeah, as you say, the first one, I was, I was terrible. I think I remember getting to like the second story, and that's about it. I've got one little point, one little plot hole. As much as it pains me to, I was confused how Holly was it his wife's name when they come out. Now keep in mind they've been in this building the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and punches that reporter guy in the face. Now, I was like, I feel like you would do that more so if you knew what he'd just done, which he's turned up to your house. Isn't that how they found out? Oh, is it? I was literally, just as you, just before you said it, I was just thinking, wait, isn't it on the TV and that's how Alan Rickman's character finds out? And then it's like, what? Um, So maybe that's it, maybe that's... I thought Alan Rickman found out when he sees the picture. Yeah, but he puts a picture up because he's he's watching the... Oh, the daughter. Oh, I guess, yeah, yeah, he doesn't see the daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I think by that point, he's already bumped into Bruce Willis, hasn't he, on the roof. Mm-hmm. So he puts it all together and he's like, fuck, this whole time I've had, a, I've had the ace card. I could have been like, right, mate, stop fucking up my plans or I'm going to shoot your wife in the head. <laughs> not to mention, don't go to my house with my kid while I'm not there and get them to come on TV. Like, I'd punch him. Oh, yeah, so, no, now I've remembered that bit. That all makes sense, and now, yeah, her giving him a good smack in the face was... We haven't discussed probably my favourite line, though. Everybody's like, oh, well, now I know what Mike, Mike Ray did feels like, and uh, you be going, hey, motherfucker. It's rarely ever talked about. Alan Rickman's genius bit of acting when he's... I think, is it, is it Mr. Takiyagi? He's... Uh, uh, yes, Mr. Takiyagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> Just really casually about that. It's like one of my favourite lines. <laughs> I, I like Welcome to the Party, pal. That's, that was brilliant. Welcome to the Party, Who was the helpful cop's name? I was actually read something and I felt sorry for him. And I do want to talk about him on this podcast because I hope other people listen to it. And if you're ever someone who meets him, don't be this prick. Apparently loads of people like taunting, they'll like throw Twinkies, Twinkies at him. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about Sergeant Powell. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I phrased it, I was like, is he saying, is he being cockney? <laughs> Enough, pal. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Powell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Powell. Reginald Bell oh. Johnson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's also part of, which made me... That's like one of the best parts of that nine nine episode. Is where nine, yeah, when he, he realizes he's Stag, done. James Stag do. Yeah, he's ignored the whole scavenger hunt, hasn't he? And yeah. then he shows up, and it's him, and it's his apartment. He's like, "Oh my, oh my god!" <laughs> I love to see Bruce Willis pop up in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think it's better that it was, off, it was Officer Powell. Just did it somewhere. Then, like I don't know. Did you? What did you? Brilliant. 
upon review, I would still stick with my such a bloody good movie. I gave my arguments, and I like this film. Nothing really lets it down for me. I, I, I'm going to stay strong with my um, four, such a good movie. Fair. Such a good movie. Do we agree one by one? I agree. I would say it's a Christmas movie. Hey, that was never in, in question with me. Okay, you agree. Well, I, I was saying it wasn't, but then you said that thing about the Christmas songs. Got more songs in it than any other Christmas 99.2% um, more Christmassy than 30, uh, 30 years of cinema. All right, we agree. From this day onwards, there's no more questions. Die Hard. Is a Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, right. Well, <coughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank as you, always, thank we, you. Thank we, you for we appreciate you. Uh, thank you. I've been Steve, and this has been Luke, and this has been Luke. Luke. <laughs> <laughs>